0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want to read something here. This is the Apostle Paul. Just a little, little history here. The Apostle Paul, on his second missionary journey... He brought the gospel to the Gentile world, whereas many of the other apostles brought it to the Jews, and he just felt called to the Gentile nations. So he helped start this church in the city of Philippi. Now, I love Philippi because I love pastries, and every time I say Philippi, maybe fill it with some cherry, some apple. I love it. It's definitely scriptural to eat pie. We can see it right here. But he started this church in the city of Philippi. I know, cheesy jokes. Those come from my dad. I inherited them. There's nothing I can do about it. But he started this church, and it's interesting, in this area, this was a, a big area, it was a colony of retired Roman soldiers. And what would happen is, Rome had, had warred and defeated and occupied so many areas of the world, well they had these retired soldiers who had done their duty, who had made lots of money, who were ready to just settle down, but they didn't want them all coming back to Rome. So they'd say, hey, just settle in all these other nations. So this area Philippi was settled by this colony of Roman soldiers. And that was a lot of what the church was made up of. And, and what's cool about this is they became really good friends with Paul. In fact, they actually supported his ministry uh, for a long, long time. Like they gave to help him. And so what we see here is this a letter that Paul's writing back to the church in Philippi. Again, I love Philippi. He's writing this letter back to them and he's saying to them, Thank you so much for what you sowed into my life. Now, think about this this is Paul in chains, in prison writing a letter thanking them. Now, I want us to take note today of his attitude through this process. Now, as he writes this letter, he's telling the church in Philippi that he loves them, that he wants the very best for them. And then he says things like this. Hey, guys, I heard there's some quarrels going on. Let's just stop the quarrels and let's work things out. Why? Because God is so good. The gospel is wonderful and his grace is amazing. Make the main thing the main thing. So Paul is encouraging them. He's telling them to celebrate God, revel in his goodness, have a party and live it up. Have you ever thought about Christian life being like that? It really should be. Have a party, live it up, enjoy life with Jesus, enjoy life with your heavenly father. And then he says something interesting. He says, don't fret and don't worry. See, the church began to be persecuted and it begins to get worse And worse, like literally hunted down, dragged out of homes, beaten, killed in front of their family, fed the lions. Now, how many have experienced that in their Christian walk? Yeah, none of us, right? So they were going through some stuff that we've never had to go through. How many can agree with that? But he's saying, don't fret, don't worry. And he says, talk to God. Talk to your dad about what's going on. Let him know what's going on in your life and fill your mind with his goodness. And it brings us here to verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, three important words, say with me, to be content. Say it again, to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, this is huge, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this really famous scripture, now that we can see it in context, I can do all things through him. Through who? Christ, who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. I love Paul's attitude here. He's saying, you know, I'm going through some stuff in my life, but I choose to be content. And I know who my strength comes from. But by the way, thank you so much for supporting me. See, this isn't just a journey that we do just with Jesus. Now, I think that would be fine enough. But how many know that we should support each other on this journey? And that means our eyes have to be open to what people are going through. Say, "Uh uh-oh. Sometimes I know I fail at that. How about you? But but it's good for us to hear these scriptures and realize Paul's attitude, even in prison. So here's the question. Have you ever felt dissatisfied? Have you ever felt discontented in your heart? See, I think it's something that we all deal with, not getting what we want. And it's not always bad things. But sometimes it's just we have to refocus on the main thing. The state of a dissatisfied individual comes from the internal, not the external. I don't want anyone to shut off on me because I know we've heard these things before, but how many know it's good to hear things again? Wouldn't it be great if you could read one chapter, one verse and go, got it. You walk away and you live it. But that's not the truth. We get to encourage each other today. See, the state of a dissatisfied individual comes from the internal, not the external. So let's talk about contentment today. Paul said this, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We are ready to hear your word. We are ready to hear something that will help renew our minds and in turn transform our lives today. For some of us, maybe we've heard this idea. For some of us, maybe we haven't. But I pray that your word would go forth today and, again, change our minds. That's repentance. We would see things as you see them, and then we would make that turn and say, your way is the right way, and I choose to follow you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity that we have together, and you bless it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed how dissatisfied kids can be? How many have kids here? I mean, it could be as simple as like, oh, can I have, you know, uh, some Jello?" And you're like, no, wait for dinner. And it's like, oh, like their face falls off, and some of them stomp their foot. But just dissatisfied. In fact, when I said that, you're like, yeah, well, uh, adults can do that, too. I've known adults who have stomped their foot or got a bad attitude. But really what it comes from is it comes from this idea of not being satisfied. On Friday, they released the iPhone X. How many got it? Anyone here with the iPhone X? Oh, yours is on order too. Cool. The iPhone 10 came out on Friday. The same day that it came out, and this is the same for any phone. If you have the Galaxy, some of you prefer Android. That's okay. You're forgiven. But... Some of you may have the Samsung S8 or whatever they call it, but whatever it is, when that gets released, people get it, and the very same day, you can literally search online and find reviews, whether written or on video, about these phones. I mean, the same day they come out, people are already reviewing. Within a couple days, just the whole, all of Google is flooded with reviews, and it's funny how people already find issues with the phone. I mean, this is a new phone, it has a new you know, processor, it's faster, better screens, better cameras, all this stuff, but you have to go, yeah, you know, I used to use this gesture to do this, so now I've got to do this gesture, and I'm really trying to get used to it. I don't know if I like it yet. You know, the first supercomputer, do you know your phone is more powerful than the first supercomputer? Like, literally, we have supercomputers in our pockets now, and we pull them up and go, eh, it's not as good as I really wanted it to be. But you can pull it out and search anything, any subject. You can watch videos from all over the world. You can hear news like within seconds of it happening, yet we find something to complain about because it didn't have the right emoji in it or something. Isn't that crazy? Now, I love America. I love Western culture to a point. I love that we have all these things, but it just shows us how dissatisfied we can be. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up in, you know, late 70s, early mid 80s there. And I was really into video games. But see, for us, it was different. It wasn't like we had home consoles. Now, some home consoles came out, but it couldn't touch the arcade. Does anyone remember the arcade? Wasn't the arcade awesome? Like you would get all your quarters together. You guys, these young kids are like, arcade? I just sit at home in my pajamas eating like chips and playing games. No, not for us. We get dressed up cool, man, in our 80s gear, jean jackets, peg leg pants. It was awesome. And we go in there with quarters and we play these games in the arcade. I used to love walking into the arcade and just hearing the sounds of all the games. I'd get so excited. I had my quarters. I was ready to do it. I was ready to play. Well, one time, how many know Miss Maggie, Maggie Thomas? Wave your hand, Maggie. We love her so much. Isn't she awesome? She's like a big sister to me. She's been going to church since it started, and she was like my big sister. She would babysit me. Maggie would babysit me, and now I'm taller than her. It's cool. She even spanked me once, I think. Once. That's how good I was. Right, Maggie? Wink, wink. But Maggie would, would babysit me, and I'd love to hang out with her. And, and she was part of the worship team at that time. And, and um, she'd hang out with the worship team, the drummers and all. I thought that was so cool. I was a young kid. You know, I was into music. And so I would often hang with them. And one night, she probably remembers this story. We had gone to uh, see a concert, and the concert had been canceled or something happened because we weren't able to go to the concert. And I remember getting all bummed out, and she's like, hey, you know what? It's okay. What we're going to do is we're going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese." And I was pumped because I was like, what, maybe 10, 11, something like that. I was so pumped I got to go to Chuck E. Cheese. But she said, before we go to Chuck E. Cheese, uh, we're going to stop at my parents' house and we're just going to visit for a minute. You know what I did? I stopped my foot. I whined, I cried. I literally, when we got there, I'm like, come on, man, you always want to go. We didn't get to go to the concert. I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese and play some video games. She goes, just, Andy, just relax. We'll go if your attitude changes. We'll go, but we're going to visit for a minute. And I just, I was whining. I literally was like crying. I look back at this. I'm like, what a baby. (laughs) Say, Andy was a baby. Say it. See, you couldn't even do it. You love me so much. That was a test. That was a test. But I was whining and I was crying and I was going on. And finally, we went to Chuck E. Cheese. You shouldn't have taken me, by the way, because I had a horrible attitude. But I was dissatisfied. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. And really, in the scope of life, I look back and it's like, dude, it was like two hours playing video games. It's not a big deal. But see, sometimes we do that. I don't, I don't want to make light of what we're going through or the circumstances that, that we're going through and experiencing in life, but we have to come to the center and focus on what's really the main thing. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And so Paul is talking to us about this. In fact, I want to look at James real quick, the Apostle James. In James chapter 4, verse 1, he says, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. Now, I see James really addressing an important issue here. He's talking to individuals, but I also see him talking to culture. I, th- I see him talking to society because we've even filtered this down where even nations will invade nations to get what they think they want and they'll kill to get it. For some of us, we may not kill. Now, I've heard stories of people who actually killed somebody over a pair of shoes. And we go, oh my gosh, a life for a pair of shoes? See, we can get so deep into this, we don't even see it. But what about this? Sometimes we've killed relationships to get something we really want. We've killed trust because there's something we really want. Do you follow this? And he says, you want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Now I know at this point you're like, okay, let's let's not listen to James. Let's go back to Paul. He's so much more gracious. I think there's times that we have to kind of look, you ever look at something like, man, that just... I know that's me and it seems so ugly, but I want us to see something here. Just because your actions reflect that, as a believer, it isn't who you really are. So that's why James is addressing them. He says, you guys are acting like spoiled children, but you are children of God, children of the Most High, sons and daughters. When are you going to see the truth? We can sum it up like this. Many times we attempt to win the internal struggle By changing our external circumstances. Because we think, you know, I'm dealing with dissatisfaction here. I'm wondering why I'm feeling this way. If I were to change these external circumstances, then I would be much better. Just like in the scripture, James says, you think that if you get things that really aren't yours anyway, that it would make you feel better. You would feel satisfied. But he's saying, when you do that, you're like spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Now, it gets better. Just hang with me, trust me, it gets better. In Romans 12 too, real famous scripture, we say it here a lot, it says, do not be conformed to what? This world, it's, it's the way they function, respond, how they do life, which would be quarrels, and, and violence, and taking things, and, and coveting and lusting, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind, And I love what this says. It says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, life as a believer, it really comes down to Romans 12 too. It's a continual renewing of our minds. How many would agree with that? I think one thing we need to renew our mind today is this. And some of you probably know this, but for those of you who don't, and maybe even just to remind you, there's a difference between happiness and joy. There is. There's a difference between happiness and joy. If you're not familiar with Galatians, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. How many know it? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and dare I say, self control. But see, joy's in there. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So where does joy come from? The Holy Spirit. It's internal. I want to give us an example here today of living from the internal or living from the external. So joy in of itself comes from the internal, where where happiness comes from the outward circumstances. We can say it like this. Happiness is a natural feeling invoked by outward circumstances, whereas joy is the fruit of the Spirit wrought by the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? Here's an easy way to look at it. Happiness is determined by what's happening. Do you follow me? Happiness is determined by what's happening. Oh, man, I I got the raise. I, I got the promotion. It's sunny today. It's not raining. I'm happy. My husband actually said, I love you, on his way out the door, and he even kissed me on the cheek. How about this? My kids listened and obeyed. That brings me such happiness because it doesn't happen as much as I'd like it to. You know, I, I used to say this to my kids. I, I'd look at them and go, why don't you listen? And I realized something. They are listening. They're just not obeying. So now I'm like, why don't you obey? Why don't you listen to what I'm saying? You would bring your father such great happiness if when the words that come out of my mouth penetrate your ear and go into your mind, it uh, actually worked out the actions, and you did what I asked you to do. It would be so awesome. And I love my kids. They're great kids. But wouldn't that bring you great happiness if your kids would obey, not just listen? But see, happiness depends on what's happening around you. But joy is completely different. True joy is a direct result of the Holy Spirit. Or we could say like this, it's birthed by the Holy Spirit. And this is a powerful truth. Now, why are we talking about contentment today? Because, I mean, I've heard a lot of messages on contentment. If you've been in church for more than uh, 12 months, you've heard something about contentment and being satisfied. And I used to think, well, contentment's a great thing because if I'm content, then that means I'm a good Christian and I'm just settling for whatever comes my way. But see, that's not truth. That's not contentment. Why is it that we should be content? When you experience true contentment in your life, you'll stop focusing on yourself and you'll turn your focus outward toward others. This this is why contentment matters. When you're dissatisfied, it is so hard to turn your focus onto others and what they're going through. It really is. I've been in those situations, just small situations where maybe I'm in the middle of something, maybe something that's not even bad. Maybe I'm studying or I'm reading a book or I'm handling something for the family and one of my kids comes up and they're like, dad, dad, check this out. Oh, dad, can you help me with this? Oh, dad, dad, dad. And with the like 50th dad, I'm like, what? And they're probably thinking, why are you yelling? I said, dad, 50 times to you. I was so focused on myself that I wasn't turned outward to see someone else's needs. And I'm telling you, this really is the gospel of the kingdom. I want us to see this. See, grace is amazing because there's nothing we could do to earn grace, to earn his love, to earn eternity with him. How many would agree with that? Like, it was Jesus, it was finished, his finished work. He made a covenant between God and God, which is amazing because there's no variables there. And he said, will you be part of this covenant? And so as grace people, we come into this and we go, wow. And we have to learn to rest. We have to learn what true rest is. Rest is really faith and trust in God and saying, I trust you. I trust your finished work. But there comes a point where through this grace, grace is actually teaching us righteousness. It's teaching us how to walk out what he's called us to. You know that every one of us here is called to something? And and we could really sum it up like this. The gospel is about others. Jesus said something really important. He said, "When, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. He says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. He said, when I was naked, you clothed me. And the response was like, when were you hungry and thirsty and naked, Lord? He goes, no, 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 you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Whenever you do this onto the least of these, you're doing that as onto me. And I like what one guy said one time. He says, when we can get to the point where we see everyone around us as Jesus, not as our savior, but see, like Jesus said, that means we'll minister to them. Then we're getting the gospel. Does that make sense? Are you following me so far? So it's not about self-effort, it's not about works. In fact, if you're doing social work without grace, it's not the gospel. It's the cross and it's social gospel together that work. And Jesus is saying, that's a sign. He said, love others as I've loved you. Well, loving people is seeing their need and meeting their need to the best of your ability. Are we doing that? Even in my own life I have to say am I really doing that when you experience true contentment in your life you'll stop focusing on yourself and turn your focus outward towards others Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 through 18 he says always be joyful I read that and go come on Paul I can't always be happy but he didn't say always be happy he says always be joyful He goes on to say, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, I love that he put in, not for. Because some people have twisted this around, and it's like, oh, man, I got in a car wreck and lost my leg. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. You're teaching me something through this. You're laughing, but it's true. Years ago, when I went to school, there was a prayer request uh, for a family that had gotten in a car accident, and they lost their newborn child. And the person praying blessed their heart. This is the theology that we have. Theology is what we think, what we think we know about God, how he functions, right? Their prayer was, Lord, I pray that you would teach the family the lesson that you're trying to teach them through this death. And my heart went, what? But some people think that. That's why it's important. We see he's saying, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Listen, we have stuff come down the the pipe, and it hits us, and it hits us hard. And it's not saying to say, God, that's from you. Teach me a lesson. It's saying, I'm going to be thankful for what I do have. I'm going to be thankful for what you've brought me. I'm thankful for eternal life with you. I'm thankful that this isn't the end of my life. Do you understand? And then he says, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. If you're ever looking around at what's God's will, I want His perfect will. I gotta know. I gotta know. It's right here. Be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful. If you're looking for God's will, this is it. Now, why is this important? Well, there's two things I see here. First, it's showing us relationship. When it says to to continue praying, to never stop praying, some um, translations say to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you're kneeling down next to your bed praying. How many know that at some point you got to get up to like. I don't know. Go to your go to work. Provide for your family. um, Go to the bathroom. I mean, there's things that we have to do. So, if if you have to, if you he's saying to pray without ceasing or never stop. Obviously, it's not that act where we kneel down next to our bed, and that's great if you do that. But how many know that praying is simply communication to God? It's keeping that line of communication open. It's like, uh, Lord, I'm going through this in life and sharing the good times and the bad things, keeping an open line of communication. Let me tell you something. He never cuts that communication off with you. Never. Sometimes we feel like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. (laughs) You're like, but I don't feel you. Don't be led by your feelings. I'm right here. I promised you. That's why mind renewal is so important. This isn't some new age thing. This is biblical. See, your, your, your soul realm is your mind, will, and emotions. And sometimes your emotions can be a little out of whack. And guess what? God's okay with that. He's saying, can I just minister to you even with your emotions out of whack right now? Let me minister to you even with your mind not so renewed right now. Let me minister to you even if your will doesn't really line up with my will for you. And how many know this isn't God going, I want you to go there right now. Go to China. You hate it. Go. Go. No, his will for you will always feel right. It will always feel like, wow, God. Now, maybe not to our flesh, our five senses. It might be like, okay, I'm stepping into this. But man, your spirit will always line up with it. The will of God will not be hard. It will feel right. It will click. It won't be hard and it won't be heavy. So I see relationship. It's praying. It's spending time and talking to your dad. To your heavenly father. Now that might be foreign to some of us to think of God as our father, but it's truth. You know what's really cool? Do you know that the word father in the original language means source? So whenever you say Father God, whenever you say heavenly Father, you're saying heavenly source. Think about that. You're you're calling Him your source and nothing else your source. You're saying, Father, source. I want to talk to you. This is where my life is right now. I know what you have for me, but I need your help. How many know we can't walk Christianity on our own? It's impossible without Jesus. So it's a relationship thing, and it's an attitude thing. He says to be joyful and thankful. See, joyful and thankful equal contentment. So what Paul's doing here is he's backing up Philippians, which we just read, with Thessalonians and saying, I've learned the secret of contentment. It's his strength and his ability. Do you see that? And so again, we, we've got to understand that it's living life internally, not externally. It doesn't mean that we you know, close our eyes and we bump into stuff because you know, we just want to be full of faith and walk internally. It's saying that everything God's put inside of us, we're working that out. We're, we're, we're working from that internal area, the fruit of the Spirit, the good works, the things that he's put inside of us. Does that make sense? And so then eventually, it will show on the external. But no matter what's going on on the external, we can say, God, I trust You and I choose to live out of joy, out of thankfulness, and never cut communication off with you because you, Father, are my source. So, if this is true, how can we keep joy stirred up in our lives? How do we keep this thankful attitude? How can we live a life of contentment? Is really the question. And so, if we look back at Philippians. Just a few points here. The Apostle Paul answers these questions right here in this letter to the Philippians. Here's the first way that we can stir this up. Get over the distractions of what happened. Get over the distractions of what happened or, let me add this, or what's happening right now. Get over the job loss. Maybe the spouse betrayal. Maybe the friend who... Really, did you wrong? Maybe the report from the doctor. I don't want you to think that I'm minimizing, minimizing? I'm making up words, peeps. I don't want you to think I'm minimizing those things that we go through in life. I'm not. But they are distractions from what He's really called us to, they're distractions from what He's really done for us. Get over the distractions of what's happened or what's happening. And Paul says this in Philippians 1:12 he says now i want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel now think about what happened to paul paul is in chains he's incarcerated he has a death sentence looming over his head and he says what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel come on, Paul, how can you respond like this? Look at what you're going through. Because he said, you know what? I'm not going to let this be a distraction in my life. I'm going to look to the gospel. It's being advanced. People are finding Jesus, a whole new way of life. That's what really matters to me. And you're like, well, that's just the apostle Paul. I know, like I'm blown away that he can do this. But if he can do it, he has the same Jesus that I have. And that means that I can do it too. That means I can literally get over the distractions that are coming to me in my life. It doesn't mean we minimize them. It doesn't mean that we don't go to our father in prayer and say, I got a bad report. I'm dealing with this person. My spouse betrayed me. Whatever it may be, give it to him. Peter tells us to cast our care on him. Not hold on to it, but cast our care on him. And then what do we do? We get over the distraction and we make the main thing The main thing. Number two, we discover new opportunities. In those distractions, we discover new opportunities. Because let's be honest, many see problems, some see opportunities. Now, I, I chose those words very wisely. Wouldn't it be great to say, many see problems, and many see opportunities? But the truth is, many see problems, and there's just a few. There's some who see the opportunities. And here's what Paul says. If we go on to verse 13, he says, As a result, it has become clear to all the soldiers who guard the emperor and to everyone else that I am in prison because of Christ. Listen to his words. Man, I might be in, the, in, the, in these bonds and in prison, but everybody around me knows why. It's because of Jesus, man. They're hearing about Jesus. It's like, Paul, you're in prison. death sentence hanging over your head. Chained up. See his attitude? Verse 14. So through my being in prison, listen to this, the Lord has given most of our brothers and sisters confidence to speak God's word more boldly and fearlessly than ever. Man, do you see Paul's attitude? Despite being in chains, incarcerated, uh, close to death, he looks past those distractions And he sees new opportunities. He's like, look what's going on, man. I'm in prison. And because of this, brothers and sisters are becoming bold and fearless for Christ. Bold and fearless in what? The gospel. Sharing the love of the Father. It's not like here. We're so blessed. I mean, sometimes, you know, I get offended because someone, you know, tells me, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. Or, yeah, you just candy coat and water water down that message. And I go, I want to get offended. These people were like getting killed for it. And he was just moved that that they were having confidence. They were becoming bold and fearless. So, discover new opportunities. Number three, focus on what really matters. Focus on what really matters. This is really what we're coming down to today. When we're dissatisfied, Uh, When when, when we feel like, I need more, i got to have more of something or stuff, or or I I need that promotion, I need that title, we've got to come back to focus on what really matters. In verse 15, he says this, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter, those who preach out of goodwill, do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, those who are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, the former preach Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change. But what does it matter? Listen to Paul. Listen to his attitude here. There's literally people preaching something, putting him down while they're preaching it. It's all about self-ambition. He came across people who were preaching Christ for financial gain. And he says this, what does not matter? And this is his answer. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. That blows my mind. This scripture has really dealt with my heart. Because people would call us, I hate labels, they say you're a grace church, you preach the grace message. Yeah, absolutely, that's the gospel, it's the good news, it's all about his grace, I couldn't do it, I can't perform on my own, I I can't even get it right in this life as a believer without him teaching me to say no to ungodliness and teaching me the ways of righteousness. How many would agree? That's the gospel, we can't do it on our own. But I would find myself... Not so much anymore because I'm getting the love of God in my heart. How many have been on that journey, right? But I would almost get offended at people. I would get irritated at people who would preach legalism and mixture. Now, my, my intentions there were the people that were hearing it and being led and put under condemnation. I, I don't like people being put under condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is how we live, right? Romans 8.1, that's, that's the life we live. But I found myself almost getting bitter about it. And the Holy Spirit challenged me. He says, you know what? Do you remember the Pharisees in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to be a grace Pharisee? Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be nice to me. Where's your grace? He's like, this is grace. I'm teaching you to say no, because that's an ungodly attitude. You're not loving your brother and sister. So you know what I started doing? Even if someone's like, you're going to burn and go to hell, but Jesus came. You know what I say? Amen. Jesus came. Will you receive him? It's like you have to get to a point where you say, okay, if it's a turn or burn or fire and brimstone or it's grace of God, at the very least, they're preaching Christ. That was his attitude. These people had wrong motives. They preached for financial gain. They were putting him down. It was self-ambition. And he says it, his very words that he penned said, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And I'm here to say, when will the grace people actually walk in grace with everybody? And I'm talking to myself. And he says, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He goes on in verse 20 to say, On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Isn't that awesome? What an attitude, Paul. Paul's awesome. He says, alive, I'm Christ's messenger, but dead, I'm his bounty, I'm his treasure. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. He didn't say life versus death. He said life versus even more life. See, I think Paul got it. I mean, Paul was a man who was in ministry, and really, there were only a couple churches that helped him financially. Do you know he also made tents? He was a tent maker. Why? Because he had to pay his bills. He had to eat. So he would preach the gospel, make tents, people would help him. He'd travel on these missionary journeys, and he would proclaim Christ. He kept a proper attitude. Even if people put him down because he was satisfied with his relationship with God, with Father, who is his source, and he knew what his source was, he could even look at people with selfish ambition and say, man, thanks for preaching Jesus. That blows my mind. My mind's been blown so much I won't have them by the end of service. (laughs) Maybe I should find a new term, right? But we really need to think about this today. Let's think about true contentment. What is it? How do we live from the internal instead of the external? How do we truly live content and full of joy? Two things, relationship and attitude. Relationship with the Father who is our source of everything, and then keeping that attitude of thankfulness and joy. So really, number one, we get over the distractions of what happened. Number two, we discover new opportunities. And number three, we focus on what really matters. I want us to close our eyes for just a moment and think about that. Just say that to yourself. Holy Spirit, what really matters? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Because the church has made so many things matter. Do you speak in tongues? Do you not? Do you baptize with water? Do you not? I'm for all these things. I mean, that's great, but, uh, you know, do you preach hellfire and brimstone or the love of God? I mean, we could go on and on with all these ideas and things, but what really matters? I think it's the love of God. It's his heart towards humanity. It's us being satisfied with where we are, content at every moment, whether we're abounding or abased, we're saying, God, you're my source and I choose to trust you and I never want a level of discontentment to turn off the valve of love to people. I never want a bad attitude to cause me to turn inward and forget about people. People who truly need the Father as their source as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for humanity. I pray that today, if we don't walk away with anything else, we would focus on what really matters. We're image bearers of you. We're a reflection of who you are. I pray that we will be a proper reflection of your heart, of your love, of your grace, of your goodness. We would use every opportunity to show your light every place we go. Not in a religious way, not in a weird way, but just by loving people, accepting people where they are, looking for opportunity to minister to people's needs to minister into their lives. Because really, Lord, that's what really matters. And to be honest, that's where true contentment comes from. I could have a million dollars in the bank and not be content. I could be behind on my bills and still be content. Sure, I need money for the bills, but I can be content in knowing that you're my father, you're my source, you'll take care of my needs, and I can keep my gaze outward to humanity and say, Lord, what can I do to help change this world? If you're here today and you'd say, I've never made that decision for Jesus. See, the Bible to me is this beautiful love story of a father who made sons and daughters and lost them. But then he pursues them for thousands of years of history until Jesus and with Jesus everything was made right God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus so he's made a way Jesus is the way he's the door but we have to make a decision by faith to believe if you're here today and you say you know what I I believe I believe that God loved me so much that he sent his son that he started everything over brand new and I can be part of the new creation I can be part of expanding this kingdom on earth it's a beautiful thing If that's you, just quickly raise your hand. I believe when we raise our hand, we're just saying, yep, I receive, I believe. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand. I see those hands. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today that's raised their hand. And for those who maybe didn't because they've already made that decision, we believe that you sent your son. He lived a sinless life. He died. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried and he was resurrected. And now we can be crucified with Christ spiritually, resurrected to new life through him, and now have this brand new life with you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that every person who's made the decision today that you now reside in them. They are your temple. They are your body. And now you can help navigate them through life. It's a beautiful thing. I thank you that each and every one of us, again, we'd remember that true contentment comes from focusing on what really matters. And that's first of all, relationship with you, staying in thankfulness and joy, and then turning outward and sharing that with others. Bless your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv As always,